Welcome to the Enabling Effective Sales and Customer Experiences podcast. Each podcast is an open dialogue with leading experts across marketing, sales, and customer success. Each week, we discuss why from first contact to customer success, enablement and experience matters. And now, here is your host for today's session. Welcome all to today's podcast. My name is Craig Nelson, and I'm going to be your host. Joining me today is Jenny Walters. And welcome, first of all, Jenny. Thank you so much. It's good to be here, Craig. Yeah, it's great to have you here. And, and Jenny is somebody that I've met actually through, in this case here, organizations such as the Customer Experience Professional Association. That was something that, that I looked into early this year in, in further depth. And uh, I came across your name. And then when I looked further, uh, share a little bit of background about Jenny here, I found that you've been doing this for a couple of decades, customer experience. That is true. I actually started in kind of the late 90s and have been on my own with this business since 2009. Yeah, that's fantastic. And, you know, so we've got the right person here today. Our, our podcast title is going to be Emotionally and Digitally Connect to Those You Serve. Mm-hmm. And, and ultimately, uh, Jenny, as we know, we, we serve the customer, but we also serve our staff. And we were just talking and, you know, it's really your company as well as your customer that they need to have great experiences. And, mm-hmm. and so the definition varies. We're going to get to that in a moment. But you've really had a, a career that's touched on a lot of different things. And, and you've worked in this space for, for a while. You've done workshops. My bet is you, you learn from everyone you do. You've done keynote speeches. My, my bet is you get a lot of feedback. And as you've been going through and, and kind of refining your definition of customer experience, maybe that's a good starting point for us to define what that means in a, in a B2B context. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think the definition of customer experience really doesn't change from one organization type to another. It's about understanding your customer's entire journey with your brand, their end-to-end experience. And the way I define customer experience is really, it's happening whether you're intentional or not, whether you're proactively designing it or not. Your customers are experiencing your brand and your organization through every single interaction that they have. So that's every conversation they have with somebody who works there. Every time they log on to your website, every time they use the mobile app, every time they walk into a store, all of those interaction points, they leave an impression with the customer. So their perception is either, this is great, I love this brand, or maybe this wasn't a great visit. Maybe I didn't get what I expected because it's all based on expectations. And that's why when we walk into a Walmart versus a Nordstrom, We have different experiences as customers, and they might be very different, but we might categorize them both as great experiences because it's based on our expectations. So customer experience is really, you know, what's happening with your customer, but then within your business, and especially true for B2B, you have to treat it like a strategy, like a mindset, and it's a business discipline. It's a way to do business. It's a way to focus on your customers so that you get those results that you're looking for as an organization. You know, it's been interesting to watch over the last uh, few years, companies become much more customer centric Mm -hmm. and and really not thinking about the topic that you just defined a moment ago there as an afterthought, but instead they sort of design it into their business. Yes. And one of the things that that I picked up recently off of a podcast you did was this term called meaningful micro moments. Mm -hmm. How do companies, and then you also use, you know, the, the sweat, the small stuff, pay attention to details. I love the fact that you took that track, you know, mm-hmm. versus don't sweat the details. 
Because if you do design you know, a great experience into your business before even running your business, guess what? You know, you're going to get better results. Could you speak to examples of that? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. I think you know, customer experience sometimes gets tacked to organizational structure. And sometimes people announce things like, we're going to be customer-centric now. But they haven't really thought about what that means for their customers or for their actual journey. And the way that I like to look at this is because we know that every single interaction that your customer has with your brand is either building trust or eroding trust. We have an opportunity with all those small moments in every single relationship that we have with customers that get kind of neglected or ignored or overlooked. We have an opportunity to create more positive moments with customers that will help us overcome those times when things do go wrong because they will. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when we're looking at micro moments, those are things like your error messages. Are they written in a way that can help the customer with where they are, can provide them a little wink and a nod, can make sure that they have this little moment of, you know, humor in their time with your site? Or things like, you know, signage in your stores. Are you able to really make sure that you are doing it in a way that maybe is a little different, that is more connected to the brand? And in B2B, I see this in ways where a lot of times there's a lot of custom work in B2B, but we treat that so formally (laughs) and Mm. sometimes it loses the personality of the brand. And so what I would say is like, what is your brand promise? Start there. And think about how can you insert that feeling, that brand throughout every single interaction point that you have with the customer. And sometimes that just means a little more guidance. Sometimes that means being proactive. You know, the thing that I hear all the time in the sales journey is we get a lot of attention and then we make the sale and the customer kind of feels like they're neglected a little bit in that moment because the person who was their best friend, the sales guy, he's no longer in charge of them. And so moments like that, moments of transition can feel very off-putting to the actual customer. But if we're only looking at our processes from the inside out of an organization, we might not see that as an important moment. But looking at something like that, making sure that you're acknowledging that you're celebrating those moments with the customer are so important. So great examples are out there everywhere, with, especially in the B2C world. There are things like You know, I talk about how at Legoland, I was there with my kids and got that look from my little guy who we suddenly had to run to the restroom. And the Legoland restroom sign just made me laugh because it was Lego characters, but they looked like little kids who really needed to go to the bathroom. And it's a moment like that that could have just been overlooked, that you could have just used the same signage as everybody else. But because they did that, it was so memorable. And I felt like they totally got me as a parent as well. And so it's looking for those types of moments. Think about what happens when we woo customers throughout the sales process, and then we send them that contract. And sometimes that can feel like a very defensive thing to sign because there's all this legalese in there and everything else. So thinking about how could you package that in a different way? How could you set expectations in a different way? How could you reassure the customer in a different way. All those little moments, that's what really matters. That's what really builds trust throughout the relationship. And it makes makes great sense. And you know, when when you've been speaking to the buyer part of that CX overall journey, mm-hmm. one of the things that, that comes to mind is, is that I read this out of a, actually it was a gardener report, 
what they were talking about is customer loyalty and mm-hmm. the fact that 54% of that loyalty comes as a result of the buy part, not the consume part. That's and and right. I found that was fascinating that so much. And, and if you design for, as you were saying, for the good, the bad, and maybe the ugly, mm-hmm. then that part could go better. Absolutely. And, and that said, ideas around that, because, you know, so much today is, is gone digital. So mm-hmm. much has gone digital. And, and you lose that person connection. Like you said, you know, they, they got that salesperson that's going to kind of guide them through. Well, they're not there anymore, but they're now, you know, online. Thoughts around that, how to really grab that loyalty, that, you know, big chunk that, that is during the, the selling and buying part of the process. Well, I think if we step back and think about this as just like any other relationship, it makes perfect sense, right? Like we don't get married on the first date usually. (laughs) And that's because we have to build trust throughout that relationship. The same thing happens in the buying portion of the customer journey. And that's because that is when the customer is kind of going through this selection process, seeing, does this feel like a fit? Does this fulfill my expectations in a way that I like? All of those things. And digitally, I think we sometimes discount how personal digital can be. And so whenever we're talking about customer experience, we have to remember we're talking about customer emotion because emotions actually drive our decisions more than anything else. And customers have strong emotions about the experience, just like salespeople do, just like all employees do. We are all human beings. And so we have to remember that. So in a digital experience, We have to go back to looking at what is the customer really expecting? Well, I expect to be reassured throughout that buying process. So how can you do that digitally? Well, if I'm submitting a payment and I don't get that confirmation right away, or if I feel like I'm going through a really friendly process and I submit that payment and all of a sudden it feels like I am dealing with a robot at that point, all of those little moments along that digital journey can either build or erode trust too. So I don't think that we are in this world where people look at themselves as digital customers versus non-digital. And yet sometimes that's how we design the processes. So we act like there's one group of customers who will be digital and there's another group who won't. And I don't think that's right at all because we are living in a world where digital is just part of our lives. So we have to look at the entire customer journey and understand that people might come in through these different channels and interact with us in these different ways, but we still have to live up to that brand promise at every interaction along the way. We still have to respect their journey and their emotions, even if it is digital. So I think that right now there's this bigger conversation about digital, but you look at the generations coming up. I mean, Generation Z, they do not make any distinction here. They feel like digital is super personal and emotional because that's their life. So we as business leaders have to start thinking about this in very more holistic ways when we talk about customer experience. And then marrying that with how do you help your own processes in your organization work in a way that provides that seamless journey for the customer. So instead of just talking about customer experience after somebody makes that purchase, I mean, sales really is the one who's setting those expectations. So if we're not working hand in hand, and if we're not really understanding that the entire employee experience is part of delivering on the customer experience, then there will be a disconnect there as well. You know, it's, a, it's fascinating because I think we've all had a survey provided to us at some point of the process. I had one not too long ago. I got a flight and, and there was the survey coming off the flight. 
Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, what if that survey was actually before the flight? Mm-hmm. You know, what was my experience coming into it? And what do I expect during it? You know, maybe I would have shared a few things then, because for me, it was after the fact. So it was, you know, unless something went wrong, didn't say anything. So it well, just seems it, like you should do the whole thing. It's funny you bring that up because now there are all these amazing tools and technologies that allow us to interact with customers for feedback in different ways. And so there are some organizations that are really looking at, okay, how are we gauging those expectations versus how do they feel after so that you can really compare those two things. And there are also things like, you know, whenever you do interact digitally, having a way for a customer to tell you in real time and in the moment how they feel about it, that is becoming more and more available because of the tools and technology out there. And customers really like that too, because there are times you don't want to wait for the survey. You're having an issue and you want them to know, or maybe something went really well and you really want to pay a compliment. If it's persistent, if it's right there, then you're more likely to provide that feedback in a way that is meaningful and in a way that can drive action within the organization, which is what this is all about. It is. And, you know, that action should be based on the experience as they're having it, you know, Mm -hmm. as their expectations, let's say, you know, have been have been set and they're coming into it. You know, great, great points. Let's talk about leaders. You mentioned leaders because the leaders today may be a different generation than those that are now coming up through the ranks. And so now you've got kind of a mix, mix, if you will, cultures blending together. What do you look for? And what you referred to in, in one of your uh, write-ups on enlightened leaders when it mm-hmm. comes to CX and, and their traits. We have kind of a saying around here that we only work with enlightened leaders. And that's because when it comes to customer experience, you can't compartmentalize it. You have to really look at it as this is a way we do business. This is a business discipline. And so I hate seeing when leaders start with a tactic, like they say, we need a journey map or we need a survey, but they don't really have a strategy around that. And so after a while, they say, well, I don't think the survey is working because they're actually not doing anything with it. And so we need leaders who understand that this is a long-term play. This involves everybody in the organization from literally everybody, because it's not just about customer-facing employees. It's about the people who help those customer-facing employees, Mm. who design the technology, who do all of these different things. They all have to feel like they're delivering on this customer experience. So an enlightened leader, as we define it, is somebody who really understands that and that it takes everybody working together very cross-functionally that you have to have a mission, a CX mission. And we write about this a lot. We have a workbook on our site to help people write their own CX mission. And it really is because if you don't know where you're going, it's really easy to kind of get lost in the weeds with this. And like I said, like send out a bunch of surveys. Great. But then what? I mean, I've been in meetings where we are sitting around a group of executives who say, yeah, this is terrible. Customers hate this point in the journey. And We should really do something about it. And then they send out 20,000 surveys to verify what they already know. And it's just like that type of tactical thinking doesn't help long-term with the customer experience. And so that's why enlightened leadership is really understanding that this all goes together. Yeah, you know, a huge takeaway that I just picked up from that is CX is not a customer success group's mission. It's it's a company mission. That's absolutely right. Absolutely right. And and if not, let's say that, all right, let's say that we don't have an enlightened leader possibly, or maybe the company is siloed. We we know that they're out there. And so how do you attach, in this case here, this CX conversation to a discussion you're already having with one of these leaders 
somebody who's trying to align. You know, one, one thing I picked up off of your website was a list of things that are so important, right? In, increasing renewal and loyalty, improving engagements from employees. What are some of the outcomes that, that could be used to build your case so that CX really gets that company sponsorship, not that department level sponsorship? Yeah. I mean, there are a couple of things. One is you have to make sure that CX is seen in the right way and defined in the right way. And going back to what we were talking about with definitions, I mean, yeah, we just wrote an article about CX buzzwords because we want to make sure that people understand that it is this bigger idea and it's not just a voice of the customer program. It's not just a survey program or an NPS program. So we actually have that available at bit.ly slash CX buzzwords if anyone is interested in that. And we want leaders to see this as a way to drive business results because it will. I mean, if customer experience is done well, you get all sorts of amazing results. You get higher retention rates, you get higher renewal rates, you get more referred customers. And in B2B specifically, if you get a referred customer, you close that sales cycle down as far as the timeline, you also usually get a higher sale to begin with, and then they spend more money with you long-term. So those referrals can do so much immediately for your organization. So that all happens with a better customer experience. And then on the flip side, you have employees who are connected to the purpose of what they're doing. They know that their work is meaningful. They are happy to be there, and they are serving customers in a way that makes them feel good too. So you are hard-pressed to find an organization that has great customer experience that doesn't have a great employee experience. Those two have to go hand in hand. But when they do, then you also get the results of that. So you get more referrals for high-quality workers who will fit into the organization. You get people who stay longer as employees, so you reduce that employee churn. You have all sorts of benefits from just looking at customer experience as a strategy instead of kind of relegating it to that buzzword or to that place where we say, well, as long as we have a survey program, we're doing customer experience. That's not how this works. You need yeah. that feedback, but that feedback should drive these actions to improve the customer journey for your customers. Yeah. By the way, we'll, we'll share after today's podcast a link to the, the buzzwords. I think it's so meaningful to you know, understand what they mean, but ultimately apply them to your organization. You know, one, one buzzword that comes to my mind as you were speaking to this is we're sort of coming into the B2B world, a world that is land and expand. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and that land deal may be probably not profitable. It might be profitable if you're, if you're fortunate or it's a big enough deal. But if you don't make a very good first impression, if you haven't during the buying cycle, you know, convince them that you can actually advise then you really might have you know, limited reach long-term. You'll get an initial opportunity, but you won't get that expand business. So what does that mean? Cross-selling, upselling, renewals, right? All those things. And, and I think even the bigger thing to, to think in the back of your mind is you design something like CX into the way in which you do business. And that is your customers are not promoting you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have that, that's a miss. So you want yeah. to get the profitable deals, but you also want people saying great things about you. Absolutely. I mean, Getting customers to advocate for you is the best sales strategy there is, I mean, really, <laughs> because they bring in other customers. They're kind of a voluntary sales staff for you. That's the type of thing that can happen 
when you really focus on customer experience and you really understand too how it is connected to business results, because that's where you see how to connect it to things like sales and sales enablement and how to connect it to employee experience and employee onboarding and training and things like that. You really have to look at the overall definition of what does success look like here and back up from there. Yeah, great point. Yeah, you know, I'm a big believer in some foundational pieces. One is having a CX mission and another is something we call a CX success statement, which ties things to those results so that you know where you're going with this journey. We have those available via a program called Year of CX. Anybody can sign up. You can get those workbooks. They're DIY, really helpful, but I like starting there because that gives you your North Star and then you can set the compass and know where you're going. Fantastic. Well, thanks again for joining today, Ginny. I've uh, enjoyed the conversation and, uh, and I knew I would. Uh, you've been at this for a while. So, you know, great, great stuff. If you have any questions for either one of us, you can certainly find us up on LinkedIn. We'll share some details on a dedicated podcast page after today's podcast. But thank you guests for, for being here today and being part of our discussions. Thank you so much. Thank you as well. So long.